0: Welcome to Focus Life. Focus Life is the official podcast of Focus Youth Ministries of Peru Grace Brethren Church. Here we will seek to learn what it means to live the Christian life in this sinful and rebellious world. I'm Pastor Jordan, and this is Focus Life. Hey guys, here's the long-awaited podcast that we have been talking about. It's still new to me, and I'm still getting the hang of it, so we're going to start off with a recent sermon of mine. But soon after, we'll get into some topics that you've been asking about and I've already been preparing for. I hope this will become another avenue that we can discuss biblical things in maybe a more accessible way for you. In our first two episodes together, we're going to listen to clips on a sermon that I recently preached on suffering on how you and I can welcome or embrace suffering, because we know our good God will use it for our ultimate good. I hope you enjoy, and please come back next week for part two. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We will be covering quite the chunk of this chapter today. But uh, for now, let's just read verse 18. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Let's pray. Lord we admittedly come to you as as weak people we come to you knowing that we have no strength apart from you we come to you recognizing that our world in some way shape or form is collapsing And it feels quite helpless to be here. And so we ask now that as we look to your word, that you would show us where to find strength, that you would show us where to find confidence, and you would strengthen our faith in you today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Our church family has gone through a pretty tough time over the last couple months and I think we can even we can even say the last years from funerals of friends and loved ones to a to a COVID spike that has left us feeling weak and weary these last few months have been particularly rough and as we look out at the world things don't get much better The war drums seem to be beating ever louder with Russia amassing most of their military force around Ukraine. And then there is the posturing that happens from countries that would consider them adversaries. China, who has thrown their hat in with Russia, is buzzing Taiwan with warplanes every day. North Korea is testing ballistic missiles again. Both COVID and war drums have caused much economic uncertainty. Inflation has doubled and even tripled in the last few months. Shelves at grocery stores have become increasingly barren. Gavi and I were just at Walmart on Wednesday or Thursday, I forget which, and there was no pasta in the pasta aisle. I never expected to experience that. In my lifetime, the stock market can't make up its mind, whether it's growing or, or losing. Both the Because of the political climate of this world, I'm sure that many of us in here have had quick political fixes and policy changes that we know would change it run through our mind as we ponder these things. And as we are bombarded day in and day out with these things, I'm afraid that we miss the glorious purpose of them all. As we'll see in the passage before us, the suffering in this present time points us to the wondrous reality of our sovereign God and the great comprehensive salvation That he has provided. And so in that fact alone should cause us to welcome or even embrace suffering that we face and to allow it to deepen our faith and trust in our great God. And so as we as we look at Romans 8, from verses 18 to 39, in fact, we're essentially looking at the entire chapter, we're going to see four specific points that should encourage us to embrace suffering. And the first point is that we can embrace suffering because God is sovereignly moving this world towards His glorious kingdom. We can embrace suffering because God is sovereignly moving this world towards his glorious kingdom. Let's look at verses 18 to 22. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. We see Paul open up this wondrous portion of Scripture with the thought that the, that the sufferings of this present time aren't worth comparing to future glory. To this point in the apostles' ministry, there had been much much suffering. Any reading of the synopsis of his ministry, you'll find it in like 2 Corinthians 11, I believe, you'd find that he had been flogged in every city he went to, jailed and shipwrecked, left for dead. I think Paul knew what, minister, what suffering was. And at the time of, of his writing, he was collecting an offering from various churches, and in particular Corinth here. He was collecting this offering to bring back to Jerusalem because of the great persecution that they had been facing, and also because of the, of the famine that had struck the land. And so there was suffering of all kinds going on in the world at that time. And Paul says it's not worth being compared to the glory that will be revealed to us. Is he minimizing suffering here? Is he saying that that it really, like, you shouldn't really be concerned with it? No. He's giving them hope to latch on to. The word revealed. Is the word apocalypsis in Greek. You might hear the word apocalypse there. It is in fact the title to the book of Revelation at the end of your Bible. While we often think of the apocalypse as an awful ending of the world, as believers, we know it as the awesome return of our Lord and as we sit in our present suffering we have great hope knowing that that awesome return is is ever closer you and i await that glorious day alongside the creation that is groaning you you about the the national or the the natural disasters that have been going on in the world recently. The the volcano that randomly erupted in in the Tonga that was like a hundred times more than a nuke. The the video of that is awesome in itself. But this Paul personifies creation in saying that that it is groaning. It's groaning. When Adam sinned as our representative head in the Garden of Eden, God placed this curse on creation. God placed the curse on creation. We read it in Genesis chapter 3, Verses 17 to 19. Then Adam, and then to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you will eat of it all the days of your life both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken. You are dust, and to dust you shall return. We see this this curse that God himself placed on creation. But in Paul's commentary here, in Romans chapter 8, we see that God subjected it to futility in hope. In hope. You see that at the end of verse 20. Because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation, verse 21, will also be set free from its slavery to corruption. This hope that creation has is the freedom of corruption. And when us believers are revealed, again, there is that word, apocalypsis, revealed to be children of God. When is that day? When is that glorious day? It is the day of our glorification it is the day when we are set free from the presence of sin where we stand face to face with our Lord. And so now, creation personified in all of its groaning is, is looking forward to that day. And here's the thing. God, right now, Presently, in all of the grief and the pain that we face, is working all things together to that end. God is bringing about the day of the Lord. If you want to turn and look to Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to see that the this wonderful, wonderful moment in history that is now being brought about by God. It's Ephesians chapter 1, starting with verse 7. In Christ we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our transgressions according to the riches of His grace, which he caused to abound to us in all wisdom and insight. So there is our present salvation that we have, the forgiveness of our sins, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, according to the Father's good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ for administration to the fullness of times. That is, the summing up of all things in Christ, Things in the heavens and things on earth. That administration is the working out of God's plan that will culminate in the kingdom of Christ in which you and I are glorified. God is now working all things in history to come to that one glorious moment where Christ is unveiled as the King of the world and we, His saints, are revealed. And it is at this time that the curse is undone. We see this, as Paul says, the, the creation will be set free at the revealing of God's sons. We see, in Isaiah chapter 11, there seems to be a pause in the curse during the millennial reign of Christ. It's a, a, a well-known passage. Isaiah chapter 11 verses 6 to 9 says, And the wolf will dwell with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a young boy will lead them. And also the cow and the bear will graze. Their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like an ox, and the nursing baby will play by the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child will put his hand on the viper's den. They will do no evil. Who will do no evil? The animals will do no evil nor act corruptly in all my holy mountain, for the, o- for the earth will be full of the knowledge of Yahweh as the waters cover the sea. There's a pause at the curse. Uh, there's a pause of the curse in which we are dwelling in the kingdom. Even more so, you know this wonderful passage as um, Dr. Wickham often would say that the the earth is 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 melted away at its atoms. He said this when he was talking about Second Peter chapter three verses ten to thirteen. This is the final purging of sin out of God's creation, which we read. But the day of the Lord will be, will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with an intense heat and the earth and its works will be found out. And then, um, yeah, verse 11, since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what, what sort of people ought you be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for the hastening of the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens burning will be destroyed and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. There will be no more sin at the day of our glorification. And that is the day that all things are going to be summed up in in the kingdom of Christ. We look forward to that day. Therefore, you and I can embrace suffering because the turmoil of this world that we face right now points to the approach of our King, of our Lord Jesus. Back to Romans 8. The second point is that we can embrace suffering because God has guaranteed the redemption of our physical bodies. We can embrace suffering because God has guaranteed the redemption of our physical bodies. Look at verse 23. and not only this but also we ourselves having the first fruits of the spirit even we ourselves groan within ourselves eagerly waiting for our adoption as sons the redemption of our body for in hope we were saved but what hope that is seen but hope that is seen is not hope For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance, we eagerly wait for it. Paul now uncovers for us the already not yet of our salvation. You and I, if you and I have placed our faith in the Lord Jesus for his finished work on the cross, taking our punishment, which is God's wrath— for sin we have been graciously given new life in him we have been saved but we still feel the effects of sin whether that is someone has sinned against us or the remaining sin in us the sin nature that is dead defeated by christ but it still rears its ugly head. We we still feel the effects of the sin from which we have been saved. There is one day yet future at our glorification that all the remaining sinful corruption will be done away with. In the previous section, we saw that the that how the creation itself will be released from that corruption now in this section we see according to these verses our bodies will be released from that awful corruption as well paul shows this by making an old testament reference to the first fruits offering the first fruits Sacrifice. You see that in in uh, verse twenty three, having the first fruits of the spirit. This offering was given to God at the first fruit that was produced from the land each year, and everything that was produced first was taken to God as a sacrifice. Because there was confident expectation with you sacrificing that, that God would provide the food from the land later on in the harvest. And so what we see here is that the Holy Spirit is given to believers by God at this present time as the first installment of our salvation. Therefore... God will make good on his promise and redeem our bodies so that we will experience salvation in full. Look at Ephesians. uh, Paul talks about this again in Ephesians chapter 1. In verses 13 and 14, he talks about the Holy Spirit being a down payment or the Holy Spirit being given as a pledge, or even as a guarantee. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13, it says, "...in Him you also, after listening to the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise." who is given as a pledge of our inheritance unto the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of His glory. That inheritance is our receiving the kingdom with Christ. In other places, in fact, back in Romans 8, we are said to be co-heirs with Christ because Christ has been victorious, and we are victorious in Him. We are given the kingdom. And the Holy Spirit is a pledge of that. It is a a promise of a greater inheritance that you and I don't experience in full yet. You see this? You see that in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, that if the Spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Therefore, if you are saved, the Holy Spirit is in you. You have been given the Holy Spirit. And look over at verse 16 and 17. The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And here it is, and if children also heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. Because we have that initial aspect of salvation, We groan within ourselves. We feel it. Because we know that there is something more that we do not yet have. Therefore, because we have this Holy Spirit as the down payment of our salvation, we can persevere through these present sufferings because we have that great hope of resurrection. This isn't a temporary, uncertain hope, like, oh, I hope Manchester United wins the league this year. Or, oh, I hope we get that foot of snow on Wednesday and Thursday. Or, oh, I hope I don't get COVID. No, This is a confident trust that God is going to do what He said He is going to do. That He will glorify our bodies and remove us from the presence of sin. We can embrace suffering because we know that the suffering that we face is but temporary and the hope that we have is eternal.